God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And uh, I want to thank people for buying those mattresses. Uh, You know, we sold a bunch of mattresses, actually. We're going to talk maybe a little bit more about that later in the show. But uh, if you want to call in today, uh, if you purchased a mattress and you heard me talk about it and you got the mattress and you like it, call in and, and let us know what you thought about it. Um, but, uh, there's so much going on in the, um, in the world today. I I wrote this piece and it was basically in response to a woman from Ottawa, uh, who basically says as an, as an Ottawa resident, it's so bizarre watching this thing unfold. Local news, city council are all end of days, chaos and call in the army, but the mom groups on Facebook are baking muffins, making sandwiches, sharing videos of singing protesters and doing trucker crafts. And so I said, there's a world war going on between globalist totalitarianism and nationalism, populism, where human and civil rights, personal freedoms, particularly with speech, religion, movement, and fairness are at stake. The fact that the same things are occurring in other countries at the same time should tell you this is a planned strategy, not organic. And that goes for climate change, censorship, and fake news. I think with COVID, they bit off more than they could chew. They, They bit off more. Their stomach was bigger than their bite. And it's starting to... You know, you could see it. You could see that it's starting to just blow up in their faces. And they just, without a spine, are now using the word science to say, well, the science has changed. The science. We're following the science, and this is the path where the science is leading us. 
And it's just, it's BS because I believe it's more like an election season. They don't want to be wrong. We talked about this last week with regard to Bill Maher. Bill Maher, you know, and, and Barry Weiss. We talked about that about weeks ago. Barry Weiss was talking about the masks don't work and things like that were starting to roll out. <clears throat> now we're finding that the Biden administration is reevaluating the numbers and the way they were counted. So, like, for example, if I go in for a sprained ankle and or a broken arm and I go to the hospital, now they want to put me in some sort of room. They want to test me. And they want to test me and I test positive. Well, that's a problem. Well, so they count that as a COVID. But I didn't have a symptom. I probably would have never gone to the hospital if it wasn't for my broken arm. So the idea is that probably shouldn't have been counted that way. You got 75% of the count with four comorbidities. And what I'm thinking is they're not even comorbidities. I'm beginning to understand and I'm beginning to suspect that it's not just cancer and and uh, diabetes and obesity and, and a bunch of other things. It very well could be that, you know, you fell off of a roof doing your shingles and you broke your arm. And the idea is that how many of those things happen throughout the course of a year? Thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people get into minor accidents and do minor things and have minor ailments and sprain their ankles and and break things. <clears throat> and in order to get treated, they need to take a COVID test. And when they take that COVID test, it ends up being positive. And then you wonder what the, what the integrity of that test is. Because if the hospitals are making more money treating you with, uh, with COVID than they are with a sprained ankle, then what if there's foul play there? What what if, uh, you know, this whole, whole thing was a ruse? You know, I was talking to my father the other day, and he mentioned something about placebos. That, that there's a study where they, they actually had placebo for the vaccines. And I said, that's highly unethical. Because the placebo is one of those things where you, uh, <clears throat> if they're serious about you spreading the, you know, the vaccine or spreading the virus, your behavior might change if you got the vaccine, you believe the vaccine works. And next thing you know, you, you, you're getting into restaurants that they say you could be a spreader or a super spreader and all these things. But if they're doing placebos, it just doesn't make any sense. But there's there's proof, there's study that says that they're giving that away. And I thought, well, what what if um, what if it was a saline solution? What if Pfizer was making out like a bandit? What if they don't even have a vaccine? What if this vaccine is just a 
a modified saline solution. Now, we know it does things that causes myocarditis and a bunch of other things. So what if it's not even that scientific? What if it's just some sort of a poison? We don't even know what we're putting in our arm is the point I'm making. It could be poison. You could have an allergic reaction. You know what I read? Because I was looking for a medical, uh, medical um, exemption. And I was looking to see what, what the rules are and what you could say. Now, I forget the name of this uh, ingredient. But have you ever heard of a uh, laxative? Uh, it's an ostosis laxative. It's called Miralax. It's a Miralax. It, it, it produces like extra water soluble for your bowel systems to, get, to help you relax and have a laxative. It's it's more natural. And there's hardly anything in there that could possibly cause you harm. But they said the active ingredient in that, in, in, in the, one of the leading laxatives in the market today, Miralax. Okay, so, and you can get all kinds of generics off of that. But it's an active ingredient. And there are people that are allergic to that active ingredient. I read that they said that you, if you're allergic to that active ingredient, you will be medically exempt from the uh, vaccines. And I'm thinking to myself, what in the world, what in the world would that be doing in your vaccine? A laxative of sorts. And I'm thinking, what is this vaccine? You know, and I, I don't know that much about it, but it doesn't do much doesn't seem to be effective more people are getting sick with covid or the flu or whatever it is because you can't tell me that the flu went from you know millions of people getting the flu to like next to nothing overnight you know the covid didn't cure the flu did it so what were they counting And you know, one of the things that's happening is I think that people are starting to realize, you know, with the Ottawa truckers creating pressure with all the protests in the street during the election season in France and what's happening here. Think about this for a second. Think about this one. Okay. Do you remember when Joe Biden said he forgot to order the uh, vaccines? or the the at-home rapid tests, he forgot to order them. I don't know what happened. You know, they just sort of forgot to order them, and they were late to the party. This was back in, like, November, December. It's like, uh, we didn't, we ordered them, but we ordered them late. We, We were bad about that. We ordered them late. And my my theory is behind this now, Nothing is done unintentionally with the government. They 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 monitor every single little aspect of everything, every detail. And it's not Joe Biden making the order. They got a whole department that all they have to do is order. You think they just box these things up and ship them out all in a week? No. 
They didn't. They had these things for a year. They were mass producing them. They had stockpiles of them. They were probably figuring out pricing and distribution. But for whatever reason, they delayed it as much as they could. But finally, the pressure got so great that they ended up now getting these rapid tests out there. I got a truckload of them. And I know I've heard people say, don't put those up your nose. They're made from China, whatever. They're liable to impact your reproductive uh, abilities. Well, I'm beyond that age probably. So, uh, you know, the point is, is, is that, you know, we don't know what they are. And uh, I, I agree with the concerns of younger people. They want a future and, and want to have a family. I, I do. And there's been signs and indications uh, to me that indicate that it does things in your reproductive areas that, you know, like with menstrual cycles and things like that, that it probably shouldn't. You wonder why it's doing that. <clears throat> but my theory is this. This And I said this in the very beginning. When Abbott, when Trump was president, and Abbott came out with a rapid test, and it was a machine, and 15 minutes, and you can get your test result. And now they have the at-home disposable ones, right? Same concepts, same principles. You know, you put these little drops in a thing, and you wonder what's, what's in those drops that you're sticking up your nose, you know, or actually the drops go in a thing and then you stick the cotton swab up your nose and you put it in the drops, twirl it, and you get a result. My theory back then was this is going to present a problem for the federal government, CDC, that's fudging the numbers. Johns Hopkins and CDC were, in my opinion, I thought, and it was my theory, that they were fudging the numbers. And then CNN and MSNBC were putting the numbers out there all the time. And I thought, that's interesting. If they decentralize this thing, if they decentralize the test results, now there's no control. There's no federal government counting your votes. There's no federal government counting your COVID tests. There's no federal government. uh, The same people that orchestrated the Russian hoax, the impeachment hoax over a perfectly good Ukrainian call, and and who opened our borders and polluted our environment with drugs and weapons and crime and criminals. These same people that we're supposed to now trust with our lives with a jab, do you trust them? I don't. But the question is, now, when it's decentralized, you know, what is the integrity of the test, number one? But number two, okay, how random are they? Are these things already like a lottery ticket? You know, like one of those scratch-off lotteries where you scratch off the wax and you get the numbers? They're already pre-printed. The people that printed up all the uh, scratch-off lotteries already know how much how many tickets are going to win 
and what the values are. They already know. They already got it cooked, baked into the printing of these things as to what, how much money they're going to have to spend and how much money they hope to receive on these tickets. How many tickets can they sell? You know, those scratch tickets, those lottery tickets that you scratch off. They're pre-printed. There's no surprise for the printer. They know what they printed. The person who did the mathematical um, structure of how many winners there are going to be. It's just random, though. And who's going to get that test that's going to be positive and who's going to get that test that's negative? Is that what's going on with the rapid tests? They're already predetermined? I don't know. What I do know is this. When they decentralize this thing, if there is legitimacy to these tests and and you uh, you take the test and you're negative, chances are everybody's going to be negative. You negative? I'm negative. You're negative? Yeah, you're negative. I'm negative too. So next thing you know, you're going to be like, you're not going to let me into this restaurant because you want a vaccine passport even though I'm negative, which is a better and more reliable thing than having a vaccine passport knowing full well that this passport for the jab that I took a month ago, six months ago, somehow you're going to let me in even though I could be infected with the, uh, the, uh, the virus because everybody knows that even if you get the jab, you still could be Infected, you still could be a spreader. Oh, now you're going to tell me that asymptomatic doesn't spread anymore. Okay. Yeah, that's the way we used to believe it until Fauci got in involved and then said somehow that it could spread through symptoms, uh, through asymptomatic patients. The WHO, though, said that it doesn't. The point is, is that the reason why you're seeing these vaccine mandates going down and the reason why you're seeing the mask mandates going away, state by state, New Jersey, you know, uh, Massachusetts, Connecticut, uh, Iowa, you know, you can go on down the list. And they're starting to, even New York, New York is soon going to make it so the vaccine passport, you don't need that to get into a restaurant. And hopefully one day D.C. will. But all these liberals that were with all these draconian mandates have gotten the memo. It's bad for business. It's bad for poll numbers. It's bad for a a midterm election. Trust the science on that. Trust the science that this is going to help us. This is is going to hurt us at at the polls and this is going to hurt us in election season. Trust that science. Because we got to get reelected. We got to maintain power. We can't do anything without power. Forget about the fact that, you know, Gavin Newsom and, and uh, Stacey Abrams are walking around without the masks on while all these kids and all these people have masks on. Forget about the, you know, hypocrisy of that. But the idea is, <clears throat> I think, when they were forced their hand to decentralize the testing, to at-home rapid testing. I think then that's it. The, 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 the gig is up. Because people are not going to be testing positive nearly as much as those numbers where you send away and the CDC basically takes, takes 
your business and sets the numbers that they want. Notice how it's always federally controlled. They wanted to federally control our elections with HR1. They want to federally control the numbers through the CDC and and control the COVID data. It's still a sad bit of information that the only data we get is from Johns Hopkins and from CDC, two entities I don't trust. You know who the biggest financer funder of Johns Hopkins is? Bloomberg. Bloomberg is a huge funder of the um, infectious disease section of Johns Hopkins. Mayor Bloomberg, Mike Bloomberg. And uh, CDC, obviously, is run by all liberals. And we know that because we looked at their um, donations to political candidates. And it was 98.8% of the donations coming from CDC was to a Democrat. So, go figure. So, what we're learning from the truckers, and, you know, shame on GoFundMe. They took $9 million, right? And then they wanted to give it to charities of their choice, but... Then they decided that's not going to work. So they gave it, they're going to give it back. Now, Go Send, uh, Go, send Go, I think it is, or something like that. Uh, they, the truckers just raised another $6.8 million. And uh, through another service, uh, competitor to GoFundMe. So Getter's competing with Twitter. Uh, Trump's coming out with his media uh, service soon. Uh, You got Rumble competing with Spotify. Spotify is censoring Joe Rogan to a certain degree based on things he did in the past. But, you know, and Jen Psaki's begging them to censor more, right? But it's crazy. But I have to give Spotify some props. They didn't cancel Joe Rogan, but they thought about it. You can tell they thought about it. And then they kind of equivocated a little and they cut out some of his episodes because he was quoting people saying the N-word or doing these various things. And then, you know, I think it's really interesting because it was a rapper that said this. If they cut Joe Rogan, they're going to have to cut half the rappers that are on Spotify. Two. How do you like those apples? What are you going to do then? You lose half your you, you know, half your um, business clients if you drop all these different rap artists. I'm not a big fan of rap music, but there are people out there apparently that like it, and they subscribe to Spotify. So Spotify was paying Joe Rogan $100 million. And so Rumble said, we're going to pay you, we'll offer you $100 million to come over to us. And and that's $100 million over four years, $25 million per year. Not a bad gig for doing a low-budget show like Joe Rogan has. But he does about three hours a day. And he has guests, some you've never heard of, some you've like but nevertheless it's not bad it's not a bad gig 
and um, and he's earned it. You know, he, he's done the right things, and he has a big audience. Do you know his audience is huge? Something like uh, six point seven to ten million, given depending on the episode. You compare that to CNN's primetime seven hundred thousand viewers, and uh, and then you got you compare that to what Brian Stelter would say is their overending huge budget, <clears throat> and you wonder how does CNN even pay the bills? And of course, we've covered that. We covered that with BlackRock and Vanguard as controlling the purse strings, and China, you know, probably. Uh, propping up their state TV, you know, which is CNN and MSNBC, with their own influence and money. And so between BlackRock and Vanguard and the woke corporations who want access to the Chinese slave labor markets and the multinational corporate benefits of, of being able to do business in multiple countries, and expand their horizon while at the same time selling out Americans. You know, speaking of selling out Americans, Joe Biden has sold out Americans every step of the way. It's why it is that these open border migrants, these illegal aliens, are getting perks that you as a U.S. citizen would never get. And it's because they want to rig elections, they want to, to keep power, and they want to import it, import that power through the the idea of voters. I was talking to somebody recently, and I said, what's left to defend anymore? They're killing the military by forcing them to uh, take the vaccines, firing them if they don't, opening our borders so that these illegals can compete with our votes and neutralize every one of us with their votes and all of this for power selling out America for power you know dumbing down these people the Democrats obviously have to be stone cold stupid to vote for a guy like Joe Joe, Joe Biden right and I know some of these smart people they're stone cold stupid when it comes to voting for Joe Biden I know them. But the sad truth is that what is left to defend? You know, I talk about England quite a bit. I don't know why. It's just it's a better metaphor. But like, you know, these Brits that like their pub and love their country, you know, they like their history. They like the Beatles. They like Benny Hill. They like Mighty Python, you know, they like their humor. And all of a sudden, these radical Islamic jihadis come to their London stand and they adore Amir Khan, the mayor of London. And what is there left to defend? You go abroad to defend your country, and what are you really defending? A country that wants to, you know, enforce jabs and make you wear masks and treat foreigners better than the domestics? And the thing is, people that come across our open borders, they don't know who George Washington or Benjamin Franklin is. They don't know who Francis Scott Key is. They don't know what our country is about. They don't speak our language. They don't do anything except hoard 
our tax dollars for their own benefit and personal gain. And we're supposed to go off to war and defend that. And that's going to impact our military. Just like getting rid of military personnel because they won't take the jab and they can't get an exemption to save their life, even though they're deserving of one, religious exemptions should be honored. But because they're being used too frequently, they're being denied. And programs of exemptions were being shut down and frozen and paused. But we're losing our military. And you get the, you get the idea that, no, that's what they want. And I said it for, you know, they're losing on purpose. They're losing. They're going to renegotiate the JCPOA deal with Iran. You know what that is? The first thing that went ran through my mind when I heard that, first thing that ran through my mind was that's just another opportunity to squeeze money and extort and to make the senators happy and pay the senators off for compliance. If you went in on this Iran deal, I'm going to need your vote on this, this, and this. Otherwise, you're not going to get this cash. But we have it all lined up for you. And they're going to probably put them in shell accounts all around the world and say, we have shell accounts. I'll give you the access to the shell account if you give me that vote. And you could do with that what you want. And I'll just turn the other way. But I need your vote. And a guy like Joe Manchin will say, you know what? I think the filibuster, it's time we get rid of it. I think it's time we pack the the bench at the Supreme Court level, and I think it's time we uh, pack the Senate with a bunch of senators from Puerto Rico and and D.C. and Samoan Grand Grand Samoan or something like that, some colony we have. So, in any case, that's how they buy these votes. They're going to get this JCPOA Iranian deal. Where we on paper get nothing, they get everything. They get to develop nuclear energy, which will turn into nuclear weapons real quick. They'll dominate the Middle East, and all the other countries will have to show a level of respect to Iran that they never otherwise would have wanted to have to do. Because Iran's not that valuable of a country financially or economically except for the fact that they have nuclear weapons, they have the power of coercion and persuasion. And then you better believe that JCPOA deal where we, we unfroze $150 billion. We unfroze it. <clears throat> and we didn't have to do that. There was no urgency to that. But there was. And you know why? what it was? It was it was the golden parachute for Barack Obama, who's now in Hawaii working with construction workers, building another mansion on another waterfront. From what I hear, it used to be Magnum P.I.'s house in Hawaii. But nevertheless, he's got the mansion right on the waterfront in, Martha, in, in Nantucket. And now he's getting a house on an island in the middle of the Pacific. And somehow this is the guy that said that climate change and sea levels 
water tables. We're going to basically cover the island of Hawaii and the coast of California and the coast of Nantucket. And they were going to be gone in 12 years. Listen to Ocasio-Cortez. She'll tell you. She said this about three years ago. In 12 years, we're going to be underwater. California won't exist. Nantucket won't exist. Hawaii won't exist. So what does Obama do? Goes out and buys a whole bunch of stuff. Right at water, right at sea level. You think he's really worried about the water tables? I don't think so. Hey, what about the banks? This climate change ruse, man. What do you what 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 about these banks? Why are they giving out loans, not the people that need them? Well, you know, I'm not talking about Barack Obama because he's got the Iranian money. He's buying these houses with Iranian money. But it's the other people. These people, these banks, they're, they, they have underwriters. They have, they have insurance people. They, they inspectors. And they figured it out that these are good investments right at the sea level right on the waterfront, all around the world, whether it's the Netherlands, whether it's Sweden and Finland and Russia and Crimea, they're all in the water. England, Scotland, go all along the Ivory Coast, everywhere, they're building and building and building, right on the water levels. But yet somehow we're then told at the same time the ice caps are melting and the water levels are going to go rise and we're going to be underwater. Well, why would they do that investment if that was the case? Why would they invest in those properties? Are they dumb? No, they're not dumb. They're pretty wicked smart. And then they want to dumb down, the thing they want to dumb down, speaking of dumb, they want to dumb down their voters. The Democrats can't have voters that are lucent. They can't have voters that can think on their own. They need censorship and one-way arguments. They can't afford to have people thinking for themselves. That's why they have people that can't even speak the language that are coming into our country that are going to turn out to be voters one day. I'm going to take a listen to Tucker Carlson. He had a really good uh, commentary. We're going to take a listen to this. Uh, It's about Hunter Biden's dad. Hunter Biden's dad and his heroin crack pipe uh, initiative, right? Now, that if that's not going to dumb down America, I don't know what. That's like saying <clears throat> to an alcoholic, I want to buy you, uh, you know, I, I want to give you all kinds of vodka or whiskey uh, to prevent you from robbing the liquor store. I don't want you to rob the liquor store for the whiskey. So I'm going to buy the whiskey for you and enable you to be even worse. The biggest problems with regard to homelessness is mental illness and, you know, addictions and drug, you know, of all kinds. And what he wants to do is just enable this to continue. He's not fixing the root cause of the problem. You talk about root causes, 
the root cause of the open borders, uh, of the uh, people crossing our borders, the root cause is the incentive that they're giving. They were promised $450,000 a person to come and make a life for themselves in America. That's an incentive. You'd have to be stone cold stupid not to actually take advantage of that stupid deal. The borders are wide open. You get flights to anywhere you want. You get a new life. There's nothing wrong with having an inc- wanting to do that. What's wrong is having a government that's offering that out to people that don't love our country. So Kamala Harris goes to look for the root cause of the problem and why it is that so many people want to come to America. And she doesn't understand that she goes to Honduras as if that's the problem, not realizing that more people are now coming from Uzbekistan and Syria and elsewhere all around the world because of this open gate policy, these free perks. And the corporations are all happy because they got the slave labor they need. It's just sad that libtards will vote for these policies that are destroying America's middle class, which destroys the fabric of our society, our Judeo-Christian values, our town halls and our communities. And what's going to be left of this country is going to be a dictatorial totalitarianism style government controlling its people. And we're going to be living impoverished. Like in Russia, they all live in the same kind of an apartment. All these nine-story buildings that are big, square, ugly things. And we're going to be happy that we even have a roof over our heads. It's sad. And this agenda of these crack pipes who's going to spearhead this project is it going to be hunter is this going to be a side job because he's an expert with crack pipes right it's almost so comical you almost got to think they're just doing it to agitate americans that the guy with the crack pipe son whose son is addicted and you're not allowed to talk about him Well, the father now is issuing free crack pipes for everybody and a place where you can go and smoke up heroin and crack. Enabling that habit, creating further mental disease, all because you somehow have this theory that if you give them a crack pipe, they're not going to shoot in their arm and they're not going to get all these other diseases that you get from the shot in your arm from a dirty needle. That's the, that's their idea. We can get them off of that needle by giving them a crack pipe, which is safer. It's insane. News for you this evening. Joe Biden, the president, has announced another piece of his highly promoted equity agenda. That's the government-wide effort to improve the lives of African Americans. You hear that? Equity agenda. Equity agenda. How often have I been talking about that? Equity versus equality. There's a huge difference. And there's a reason why I uh, put a spotlight on that. Equity versus equality. 
Martin Luther King would not have prescribed heroin addiction as part of an equality or equity kind of thing. But this equity uh, thing. And it's targeting black communities. And you know who's really upset? Black conservatives. Because they know exactly what's going on. Black conservatives are the most upset about the targeting of black communities to keep that malaise and that retardation of being completely stoned out of your mind. And then basically you take their registrations and you turn them into ballots and they don't even know that they voted. You may recall that on his first day in office more than a year ago, the new president explained that equity will require determination and creativity. And this week he proved that's true. Joe Biden's latest idea is to pay black people to smoke more crack. Going forward, the administration will send at least $30 million in tax money to nonprofits and local governments so they can purchase, quote, safe smoking kits and supplies. According to HHS, these kits will contain Joe Biden-approved pipes that will allow beneficiaries of the equity agenda to smoke crack cocaine as well as crystal meth. Some say it's about time. Soros-aligned NGOs have long complained that marginalized groups in this country don't have adequate access to illegal narcotics or the tools to use them. With this new program, Joe Biden will finally close the crack gap. For too long in America, quality crack pipes have been the domain of rich white men like so much else. Here's the president's son, for example, smoking crack in bed at the Four Seasons. You'll notice the beautifully designed custom crack pipe, its cooling bowl nestled in the high thread count Egyptian cotton sheets. When Hunter Biden smokes crack, he does it in style. But not everyone in this country is so fortunate. Try to toast some rock in West Baltimore sometime. You may have to make the pipe yourself from tinfoil or a broken car antenna. Our inner cities are pipe deserts. Talk about the new Jim Crow. Bull Connor would be proud. Bull Connor didn't think black people deserved new crack pipes. Joe Biden's going to change that. Joe Biden understands how essential narcotics are to the future of his party. If Democratic voters stop smoking crack, they might start thinking for themselves and become Candace Owens or something. Can't have that. So it's new crack pipes for everyone. Unfortunately, this change comes too late for one Democratic Party icon. 30 years ago, crack addiction was still considered embarrassing, especially for elected officials. In some places, it was illegal. Here was the mayor of Washington, D.C., fervently pursuing the equity agenda before it even had a name. Back then, we just called it <laughs> smoking crack. So this is Marion Barry. Okay, I understand. Pay attention to what I'm going to set up. So you Marion Barry no said probation. Setup. You I'll listen to Joe Biden here. No bigger than this quarter. ...for honored in his own hotel room. To be fair, Joe Biden didn't honor Marion Barry either. Here's Joe Biden a year after the mayor's drug bust. If you have a piece of crack cocaine, no bigger than this quarter that I'm holding in my hand, one quarter of one dollar, we passed a law through the leadership of Senator Thurman and myself and others, a law that says if you're caught with that, you go to jail for five years you get no probation you get nothing other than five years in jail judge doesn't have a choice main strom gonna throw you in jail boy that was joe biden then now joe biden's giving out free crack pipes to black people so maybe the lesson here is that real growth is possible sometimes wisdom really does come with age now you may be wondering as you watch all of this hold on a second 
Is the real drug crisis in this country really that crackheads don't have enough crack pipes? I seem to remember reading somewhere that more than 100,000 Americans died last year from opioid ODs. What are we doing about that? Well, good question. And the answer is nothing. We're not doing anything about that. Those 100,000 Americans weren't from officially marginalized groups. Their deaths have nothing to do with the equity agenda. In fact, their deaths may have helped the equity agenda by changing the demographics of the country in a way that benefits the Democratic Party. So as far as the Biden administration is concerned, it's not a bad trend. Sure, a lot of people died from opioids in Joe Biden's first year. In fact, the total body count was the equivalent of a significant American city, the entire population. Every man, woman, and child in, say, South Bend or Roanoke, Virginia. On the other hand, these are exactly the kind of people the administration hates anyway. So with equity in mind, the White House plans to continue allowing as much fentanyl as possible to come into this country through Mexico. Here's Fox's Bill Malugin reporting. Illegal immigrants and drugs continue to spill across the border. He's throwing bags. He's yeah, throwing bags. Yeah. In fiscal year 2021, CBP seized 11,201 pounds of fentanyl nationwide. That's enough to kill more than 2 billion people. The seizures are significantly up from seizures in fiscal years 2020 and 2019. The largest fentanyl bust in 2021 came in August in Ote Mesa near San Diego. That's where CBP recovered 127 pounds of the deadly opioid, which was being smuggled in a trailer driven by a Mexican national. It had a street value of $13 million. You know, now what's interesting about that, over the weekend, Maria Barnard was talking to somebody, and, she, and they said um, that soon what's coming down the pike is that fentanyl is no longer going to be considered a Schedule One drug, and that uh, it'll it won't pack the same kind of criminal punishment, and they're trying to extend that. I think it was uh, McCarthy that was talking about this. So Nancy Pelosi's pushing this uh, piece of legislation that will remove fentanyl as a Schedule One class drug, which means it'll be. A slap on the wrist rather than so this is coming from China this is killing our Americans is this part of population control is this the is this part of the Bill Gates dream to reduce population it could be let's take a listen further I don't hear much about fentanyl use in the national news so to give you a sense of just how quickly it's growing the DEA's national drug assessment didn't even mention fentanyl, not a single time, in 2013. Customs and Border Protection seized just two pounds of fentanyl over the entire year. Fast forward to last year. Customs and Border Patrol seized more than 11,000 pounds of fentanyl. That means the amount of fentanyl flowing into the U.S. has increased by 560,000% in less than a decade. What is Joe Biden doing about this? Well, he's encouraging more fentanyl use, of course. Yesterday, the Justice Department announced that it may allow government-sanctioned safe spaces to open around the country for people to inject opioids. And this, too, is part of the equity agenda. Intravenous drug users are, by definition, a historically marginalized group. Susan Rice is thinking hard about how to help them stay addicted. It's a matter of fairness. Let's say it's 4 in the afternoon and you want to shoot up fentanyl, but you can't find a syringe. If you're rich and white, it's an easy fix. You just call one of your housekeepers from the intercom in the pool house and you send her to CVS. You've got servants to help. But what if you're a junkie of color living on the sidewalk in San Francisco? How are you going to shoot up when you feel like it? You need Joe Biden's help. Done. Help is on the way. But what does that help look like in practice? 
Michael Schellenberger is one of the very few journalists who has bothered to find out. Schellenberger recently spoke to a man who is living on the street in San Francisco and asked the obvious question. How do you pay for your drug addiction? Watch. Where are you from? Alabama. How long have you been on the street? Seven years. Drug of choice? Heroin. What percentage of people are still using heroin versus fentanyl? Oh man, 5% still use heroin maybe. What about meth? Meth is just like a given mostly. You gotta do something to counteract the downer, so people either do meth or crack. What does it cost per day? Between 40 and 80 bucks okay. um, to maintain. What percentage of people on the street you say are from San Francisco originally? Um, uh, from San Francisco originally, maybe, maybe 10, probably more like six or seven. Percent? How much does it cost to, to for your to meet your habit? We're looking at sixty bucks a day. Has the price come down or gone just, up? It's been like a race to the bottom in terms of pricing. To where a gram used to, even as little as two years ago would have been two hundred dollars. Now it's down to fifteen or twenty. How do you make your money? Petty crime. Like what kind of stuff? Boosting and getting in on cars. How do you boost? You go in a store and put stuff in your bag and get out. You learn a number of things from watching that clip, things you never hear anybody say. First, the drug crisis is a crisis. It destroys people's lives, your fellow Americans' lives. It's one of the worst things ever to happen in this country, and it's being completely ignored by the people running the country. The second thing you learn is that it's happening because drugs are cheaper than ever. In fact, fentanyl may be the only product that Joe Biden has made cheaper since becoming president. A gallon of gasoline, a pound of beef are much more expensive. Fentanyl's cheaper. And then you learn that homelessness is caused by drug addiction, and so is street crime. So if you're wondering why our cities are falling apart, it's pretty simple, drugs. Drugs are the problem. So what has Joe Biden decided to bring us more of? Drugs. It makes you wonder. Candace Owens is the host of Candace. We're always delighted to have her on our show. She joins us now. Candace, thanks so much for coming on. So, I mean, I guess they can tell you they love you, but if they're encouraging you to smoke more crack, maybe they're lying. Well, I think it's pretty obvious that the Biden administration loves black America and loves America and cares about the health and well-being. All you have to do to be healthy in Joe Biden's America is stay at home, lock your doors, avoid sunlight, mask your children. Uh, when you step outside, let it only be to get five vaccines and maybe do a smash and grab crime. And then on your way back home, grab a government sponsored crack pipe. I don't know why people think that Joe <laughs> Biden doesn't care about the lives of the average Americans and black Americans. It's so clear by the way he's running things that he actually cares. You know, it's pointedly ridiculous that this is going on, and it's sad to hear him explain how easy it is to get drugs, um, because we all know this is going on, and they're pretending that it's not. They're actually mocking us to pretending that we're being dramatic and discussing how how uh, horrible the lives have gotten for the average Americans, but especially those living in inner cities, as, as you touched on, you know, a couple of weeks ago. And Jen Psaki saying, oh, it's not happening. It's just a Fox News conspiracy theory. Anybody that's telling you that we don't care about your health, they're conspiracy theorists. In fact, we're going to fact check them and deplatform them. But the bigger thing here is that Joe Biden is not the mastermind of this plan. I mean, Joe Biden is not even a mind in this plan. He has right. no idea what's going on. Somebody points a direction and he goes, right? And so you have to take a look at who's actually sponsoring this. And of course, it's some George Soros NGOs that are saying this is what we need. And this is something that needs to be said. Every time you look at what is happening in the black community, you look at who is sponsoring it, the name George Soros keeps coming up. I think it's clear that in America today, the most racist and effective man at being racist 
racist in America is George Soros, bar none. He's the district attorneys. He's got them under lock and key, telling them to release criminals in the black community. He's, he's got Black Lives Matter burning down his money behind Black Lives Matter and those riots. He's got politicians on his arm telling them to defund the police, getting them behind these initiatives. Who is this harming at the end of the day? Black America. But nobody has the courage to call this out. The Biden administration is just, they're just puppets, right? They do what they're told. Why does this person have this much power to go after inner cities and the communities and black Americans are suffering and nothing is being done? No one is calling this out. It's absolutely true. I thought Candace Owens, uh, what she said there was just so brilliant. And uh, (laughs) we have to, we have to, we have to get our leadership back. Um, And we have to get laws and policies. Well, we have the laws and policies, but we have to get the enforcement. We have to get that enforcement in place. So we are winning. We are sort of winning this this battle. I I want to um uh end with this um I want to thank people who are listening to me uh talking about uh the my pillow coil mattress. Uh that was actually something I I spoke about last week. Uh a while ago, about was early last week. And uh since then we gotten a number of orders uh, we got our report in through my pillow, and we were like one of the number one sellers for the pillow just from that one excerpt. We still haven't even made our my pillow ad for the mattress yet, but it just goes to show you how good this mattress is. And uh, I, I'm going to ask people to write in at scott at scottadamshow dot com and tell me if you like it or not, and I'll give you a testimonial readout on the air. Um, if you don't want to call in about it. And actually, it's not great radio to be call- calling about that stuff anyway. Um, but um, but yeah, write Scott Adams, Scott at scottadamshow.com and let me know what your testimonial is, um, whether you like it, you don't like it or whatever. And uh, I will tell you, I love it. I've had my uh, mattress. I put in the code word red state and uh, it is the the best mattress I've ever had. And again, I'm not a big shill for uh, Mike Lindell, but the products he has are really great. The slippers were great, um, the pillows were great, you know. But this mattress was through the roof. So check it out. Don't get the foam one though. Get the uh, coil one. And like I said, I purchased a cheap one, a foam mattress on Amazon, thinking it was great. I returned it. It was uh, awful. I sank into it. I didn't like foam. Uh, but this coil is sort of like a foam coils. It's really, really good. Very firm, very soft, very nice. All right, so use the code word Red State when you make your purchase. And with that, we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody. Where I stand, the mound's getting steeper. I grab a shovel, dig the hole a little deeper. Just to bury my kids right up to there.